Amen. Hey, thanks again, y'all, for uh, giving me the privilege to celebrate with you in such a way. Uh, I'm excited to uh, always tell and retell and tell again uh, this incredible, glorious story uh, of the birth of Christ. And I, I try to, to teach it and preach it in a different way every year. But um, you know what? Some things you just can't get away from. And the truth of the Scriptures uh, truly, truly is a blessing. But I want you to imagine... If you can, a chilly winter's night, and there's a shepherd sitting on a hillside. He's got his sheepdog sitting down beside him. And under that starry sky, the shepherd watches over each and every one of his sheep. Under the moonlight, that shepherd is thanking God for his flock. And he's thanking the Lord for the blessing of their safety. Y'all, that's not a picture of someone who craves attention. That's not a picture of somebody who requires recognition. That's a picture of someone that God might choose to participate in the single most significant event in all of human history. The birth of Jesus Christ. You know, not many celebrities, not many politicians, wealthy people, or college professors recognize the fact that like every other human being on this planet, without Jesus, people are condemned to a godless hell. If they could only be persuaded, y'all. If they could only be persuaded to accept the simple gospel message that a Savior's been sent to resolve humanity's biggest problem. But sadly, that good news is foolishness to them. However, to those who accept the message that Jesus stepped out of the glory of heaven to live on this earth and to die in the place of every single sinner who would believe in him, to them, they'll discover spiritual riches that the Bible says, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, friend, that's a glorious promise indeed. This is but a glimpse of what the shepherds discovered that night. And I want to turn your attention to the scriptures in Luke chapter 2. That's on page 905 in the Bibles in front of you, if you'd like to follow along. Uh, but I want to share with you, beginning in Luke chapter 2, in verse 8, the familiar uh, but poignant uh, Christmas story. In verse 8, the Bible says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields. That's where they lived, y'all. Out in the fields. Keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be, listen to me, for all people. For all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a, ba a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. In other words, they hustled. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and treasured them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen as it was told to them. On that night, when the Savior was born, who was it that received an invitation from God to come and visit this child? Was it the world's emperors? Was it the prophets and priests? Was it the military generals? Nope. We do know that Wise men came from distant lands bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We just read that a multitude of heavenly angels showed up praising God. But who were the first human visitors to visit Christ Jesus? Friends, that honor was reserved for the lowest of the low. The honor of being the first visitor to Jesus was reserved for the least educated of men. That honor was reserved for ranch hands with sweaty clothes who stunk to high heaven. The honor of being the first visitor to Jesus was reserved for men who lacked basic manners. That honor was reserved for men who talked with slang that is unfit for your children's ears. That honor was reserved for men who were despised by most people. Now I'm sure that these shepherds had names, but we don't know a single one of them. However, these nameless men were on the guest list 
of the most joyful event in all of human history. But why? Why did God choose shepherds to participate in the Savior's birth? Well, before we get into the why, we must first understand that these sheep that the shepherds watched over were special sheep. These were sheep without a single imperfection. These were sheep that didn't have a single blemish. They were absolutely perfect, and they had to be because these were used in the sacrifices for sin during the worship in the Jewish temples. I mean, could there be a more suitable proclaimer for the Lamb of God than these shepherds? I want you to notice today how fitting it was that God chose shepherds to participate in the birth of Christ. We begin by acknowledging that these shepherds received a message from God. In verse 8 again, we read that there were in the same country those shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Imagine the wonder of the shepherds. One minute, they're sitting under the night sky. The next minute, the sky is lit up with angels proclaiming this incredible news. No wonder they were afraid. I mean, how would you feel? It would be pretty shocking. I mean, God had sent many judges. God had sent many kings. He'd sent many leaders uh, to Israel throughout their history. But none of them had been announced like this. Think of it. Those were merely human saviors. But this was a savior from heaven. This was different. And I want you to see that this message, this message was a message of a helpless Savior. Not a military leader. Not some strong leader. This was a helpless Savior. Notice there in verse 12, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. You know, I doubt anybody alive at that time thought in a million years that the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior would come as a baby. They were too busy looking for that military leader. They were too busy looking for that general who would free them from the oppression of Rome and the rest of their enemies. Instead, what'd they get? A little one kind of shriveled up, crying all the time, completely dependent upon her mother Mary, his mother Mary. And right there in the midst of animal manure, 
the God-man was sent. Right there, God's son was born in the womb of a teenager in the presence of a carpenter. Now, I want you to consider something today. I want you to consider God's son for a second. God's son supervised the creation of the entire universe. And then he became a part of it. God's son took off his heavenly robe to get wrapped up in swaddling cloths. God's son left his throne in the heavenlies to be laid in a feeding trough. God's son left the worship of a multitude of heavenly hosts that would be replaced by the rejoicing and praise of, of all people, shepherds. But this message they received was more than just a message of a helpless Savior because it was also a message of a humble Savior. At the conclusion of verse 12, it says, you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Jesus, the Savior, was laid in a feeding trough, certainly the most humble of cribs. And that brings to life 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, that says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for our sakes became poor, that you, you and me, through his poverty, might become rich. See, Jesus came in the lowest possible way that he could possibly come. He came in the lowest possible way so that everyone could receive him. Jesus came humbly. He came helplessly so that no one could ever say, I'm too sinful for him. No one could ever say, I'm too insignificant for him. No one could ever say, I simply don't matter next to the likes of him. No, Jesus opened the door for us all. When Jesus says all, he means all. And that brings to light verse 10, that where the angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Not just to the Jews, not just to those shepherds. To all people, and all means in every generation, and that includes you and I. What a blessing it is to recognize the fact that God stepped out of the glory of heaven to make us rich. But see, they not only saw that, Jesus also opened this door, this door, so that all could be saved. Think about it. The most destitute could be saved. Now, the most dejected 
could be saved. The most defeated could be saved. The most disobedient could be saved. The most disenchanted could be saved. Now, the most discounted person could be saved. Jesus, the humble Savior, came for all. And when Jesus says all, he means all. And to set an example of that, who does he choose? He chooses shepherds to make the proclamation that he is here. Shepherds, y'all. But the message they received wasn't just of a helpless Savior. And it wasn't just of a humble Savior. It was also of a heavenly Savior. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 6, the Bible says that Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery, being equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, coming taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Y'all don't miss this. Jesus came to earth because we were unable to go to heaven. Jesus came down so we could go up. Y'all remember saying that? Let's say it again. Jesus came down so we could go up. Amen. That's why the Lord Jesus came. But listen, don't miss this. Not only, friend, did these shepherds receive a message, but they had to do something equally important. They also had to respond to that message. In verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, can you see them huddled together? Said to one another, let's now go. Not, not wait till in the morning. Let's now go, y'all. Let's now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord, they recognize where it came from, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. They couldn't get there fast enough. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You know, it's really not that hard in the Christian life. If God gives you a message, do it. Somebody say amen. If you hear a message from God, do it. That's what the shepherds did. We can follow these shepherds pretty well. These shepherds followed these angels' simple instructions, and they instantly made their way to Bethlehem. You know what they said? They said, yes, anywhere, anytime, at any cost, yes. I want to go. I'm receiving your message, God, and I'm going. I'm going to respond to your message. I'm going to follow your instructions. So, who then were the first people to receive Christ as the Savior? These dirty, filthy, foul-talking, bad-mannered, stinking shepherds. Reminds me a lot of me. Without a doubt, the shepherds were the first to receive Christ as their, as their Savior. See, it wasn't enough for these shepherds just to hear the message. Oh, no. They were compelled to follow the instructions of the angel. See, you need to know, I need to know, that believing is not just hearing. Somebody say amen. Believing is not just hearing. 
Believing is responding to what you hear. I think we church people get mixed up sometimes. We think it's all in the hearing. No, friend. It's in the responding. And I fear we don't do enough responding to what we're hearing. I mean, you can't actually have believing without obeying. If you're not obeying, friend, let me tell you something. You ain't believing. Let's be honest with ourselves. You can't have believing without obeying. And when these angels told the shepherds what to do and where to go, you know what they did? They obeyed. They obeyed the angel of the Lord. And listen, in their obeying, they expressed their faith. In their obeying, they expressed their faith. And after receiving and then responding to that message, these shepherds then went on to retell the message. Look there in verse 17. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known. Oh, if we had a church full of Christians who would make the name of Jesus widely known. Boy, think of how much the gospel would be shared. If you don't get anything else today, know that your job is to make the name of Jesus widely known. Now, when they had seen him, they made him widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So as they left this manger, they couldn't keep quiet about what they'd seen. They had to tell everybody what they'd seen. They told everybody. They told their parents. They told their brothers and sisters. They told their friends in town. They told the temple workers that purchased their sheep. They told everybody about what they'd seen. You see, after their encounter with Jesus, their lives would never be the same. When you encounter Jesus, your life should never be the same. Because when you encounter Jesus, you should immediately become a witness. A witness. Now, being a witness is not only about what you see. Being a witness is about telling somebody what you've seen. You follow me, church? Come on. Being a witness is not only in the seeing. It's in telling somebody what has happened to you as a result of what you've seen. Being a witness is not just experiencing Jesus. Being a witness is telling somebody how he's affected your life. That's being a witness. And can I just tell you, 
every single Christian in this building, every Christian listening in, is called to be a witness. Not just to see it, not just to experience him, not just to encounter him, but to tell somebody about what you've seen. Do we fall short on that? We do. Can we put a period at the end of the sentence and say, from this point forward, never again? We sure can. We sure can. In fact, I believe with all my heart, thinking about what Brother Kevin spoke about on Wednesday, to not only our little children and to our junior BYG and to BYG and to our adults who are present, Brother Kevin spoke about purpose. Not only Jesus' purpose in coming, but your purpose as a result of his coming. And one of the most significant parts of your purpose as a result of his coming is you being a witness. But it's not just about what you're seeing. It's about how you're responding. Are you telling somebody what you've seen? Are you telling somebody how your life has been changed as a result of what you've encountered? Friend, every Christian should follow the example of these shepherds. I never thought I would want to be like a mangy, dirty, filthy, stinky old shepherd. But boy, I want to be one of these guys, amen? I want to be one! I mean, every chance we get, we should do what these shepherds did! Every chance we get. Think about that, man. I mean, how can we keep Jesus to ourselves when so many people out there so desperately need him? The answer to that question is we, we shouldn't and we can't. We've got to be a witness. So like these shepherds, man, let's, let's, tell, the, let's tell the story. Let's retell the story. Let's do it often. It may get kind of monotonous and, and, and repetitive to you, but there are people out there that have never, ever heard the story that God has made a remedy for our sin cancer, that he has sent the cure, the cure for our sin cancer, and people out there don't even know it. Let's tell it. Let's retell it. But know that these shepherds, they didn't only receive that message. They didn't only respond to that message. They didn't only retell that message. They went back to those, those flocks, and they were rejoicing at the message. Look there in verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying Isaiah 43, 7. That's why you were created, is to glorify God. Somebody say amen. You need to write that down, Isaiah 43, 7. It's not in your notes. Isaiah 43, 7. That's why you were created, is to glorify God. That's why you're still here and not in heaven, is because God wants to see you glorifying him with the time you have remaining on this planet. That was a side note. That was for free, amen? So here we go. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying doing what they're created to do, and praising God, made a choice. How many of you know that we make a choice every day 
whether you're going to praise God or not. Good times, bad times, rich times, poor times, you make a choice on whether you're going to praise God or not. Right? That was for free too. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. They became witnesses. Became witnesses telling about what they had seen. Y'all, why does it seem that the world wants to take our Christmas celebration from us? Have you noticed the news? Why is it they want to take the celebration of Christ from us? Could it be because they don't know what to do with Jesus? That they don't know how to explain Jesus, a Savior who was born in a manger? Friend, the world can't explain a message like that. The world can't explain a message of love and redemption and hope coming in the form of a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem under the rejoicing eyes of, of all people. Shepherds, dirty, filthy, foul-smelling, foul-talking shepherds. They can't wrap their minds around that. You know, I read a story about one of the nation's largest department stores. And the store manager went out on a limb. But his choice turned out to be a disaster. Let me tell you about it. His idea was, was to make a doll. A doll in the form of baby Jesus. Now, he advertised the doll as being warm and cuddly and washable and unbreakable. And the doll was packaged in straw in a little satin crib. And they put some real applicable Bible verses on the box. And everything seemed to be going great. There was only one problem. It just didn't sell. Nobody bought baby Jesus. And so in a panic, it's getting close to Christmas, he decided he was going to try one last ditch effort to try to get rid of all these baby Jesus dolls. He put a huge sign outside the store. And the sign said, Jesus Christ marked down 50%. Come get him while you can. Kind of funny on the outside. But I got to remind you of something. Jesus didn't come to be put in a box. Because you can't put God in a box. And as soon as you get to learn that, the better off you'll be. But not only can you not put God in a box, you can't offer the Savior at half price. Because he paid the full price for you. Amen. You need to learn that too. Praise God. Amen. Jesus came as God himself. Clothed in a robe of human flesh. Why can't the world wrap their minds around that? 
You know, the world's disbelief and the retail corruption of Christmas has almost ruined the truth of Christmas. But God still offers his one and only son to those who will accept him as their own personal savior. That's what we talked about in our life group this morning. Making Christmas personal this year. And I pray that that's something you'll consider for you and for your family. So friend, if you trusted Jesus to forgive you of all of your sin? Have you trusted Jesus to give you this gift of eternal life in heaven? Listen, it's not enough to hear about the message. It's not enough to know about the message. It's not even enough to receive the message. Listen to me. If you listen, say amen. You got to respond to it. You got to respond to the message of God. Respond to his message. Because believing ain't just hearing, knowing, or even receiving. Believing is responding. So the question for you today is this. The question for you this Christmas is this. What will you do with Christ? Say, Bill, I've been a Christian for a long time. You know what my question is to you? What are you going to do with Christ? This year, what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Wouldn't it be awesome for you to be able to say, I made my decision to respond to Jesus and follow him during the time we celebrate his birth? Boy, that'd be pretty awesome. I'd like to go back and redo my whole date of salvation to make it Christmas time, amen? That'd be awesome. But just remember this. Jesus came down so we could go up. Jesus came down so we could go up. Now listen, I've done my best to make sure that you have heard this Christmas story. The question is, will you receive it? And more importantly, will you respond to it? Friend, our decision time today is not only for those that might be in need of being saved from their sin. If you've got a burden that you're carrying that you ain't got no business carrying, it's too heavy for you. And you needing some help with that? Hey, let's take it to Jesus, okay? I want to be an encouragement to you, and I would thoroughly be privileged to pray with you about anything that's burdening you. You got a, a family member that's in need of salvation, and, man, you're just, you're just waiting for that opportunity to retell that message. Hey, let's make it a matter of prayer, okay? Whatever God's placed on your heart this morning, if you want to pray about it, you come. And we certainly will, okay? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we praise you, we thank you, we adore you, and we exalt you. And Lord, we are here because of you. And Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus this morning.
that, Father, we would not only uh, hear this message, that we would not only receive this message, but, Father, we'd be diligent to respond to the message, retell the message, all the while rejoicing about this incredible message that Jesus Christ has stepped out of the glory of heaven to come and live and to die uh, on, on earth for our sakes. Father, I pray that, Lord, everybody in this room can walk out of here saying, I know that I know that I am a believer on Jesus Christ, not only because I've heard what Bill said, but I've responded to the word of truth in God's, in God's word. And, Father, I pray that, Lord, if there's anybody that has a, a burden that they're carrying, that they need, have need of assistance and help, Father, they would come to the throne of grace where we can find help in our time of need. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would have your will and your way during this decision time. Lord, let it be for your glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please stand.